Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You, you finally do have a new jacket. No, this isn't new. That's the same. That's not the coat that you always wore. Yeah, no, this is the same one. No, it's not. I just want to say thank you guys for dressing up. Seems like I'm the only one who got the memo, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> Why am I the only one who dressed up? <laughs> when was that thing last washed? Nice jacket, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> New jacket, ready to roll. I lost my old one, and then I realized I had one that looked exactly the same. How'd you lose it? I don't know, man. That was last Friday. The jacket was misplaced. It's still misplaced. Big cat back in the house. My, my son says it's in your pile if you still have a pile. He thinks the jacket's in the pile somewhere. That's what I was going to say. It's not lost. Lost is the wrong word to use there. It is temporar- temporarily misplaced. I have some stuff that's still temporary, temporarily misplaced from seven years ago when we moved to this house. And I remain confident I will find it. And I agree with you. The classification temporarily misplaced works uh, indefinitely. Indefinitely is good, too, because there's no, you know, it's indefinitely misplaced. Maybe I'll find it. Maybe I won't. Either way, Big Cat's here. For the next two hours, this is the final show. Not ever, although some of you would wish that was the case, just until we return from hiatus this year. It's a little longer than usual. People, I love you. Send me the emails. Florio at ProFootballTalk.com. But don't complain to me. I'd be back Monday. They make me take a break. I guess they think I need it for my own sanity, not that it makes much of a difference. But I'm, yeah. I'm happy Big Cats with us here, our last show of this cycle as we get ready for the 2021 season. Yeah, all you people who are emailing Florio being like, man, I miss you every single day, all five of you, please stop. Just there take a break with Florio. There are five. Yeah, there, take there, a vacation. There are five. You've got to sync up your <laughs> vacations here, okay? Yeah, you're right, though. It is five, but they're very zealous, uh, and they email all the time. I either get emails complaining about the fact that we're going to be off, which I have no control over, 
or I get emails complaining about Chris Sims shirt or Chris Sims saying bangles instead of Bengals or other things that Sims says. So I really have morphed into his administrative assistant, receiving all complaints that people may have about his performance. I, I don't think that'll be the case today. No one's ever had any complaints about your Never. performance except on the days where you dominate me too much. But those complaints all came from me. Let's get to mm-hmm. it. We got some stuff to talk about. This happened earlier in the week, and we saved this just for you. We could have done it yesterday, but I wanted your expert analysis of the comments that Tom Brady provided to James Corden of the Late Late Show riding around in a golf cart. Here's the conversation that they had that made a little bit of a buzz yesterday morning. Do you ever think, what more have I got to do in the sport? Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to walk away from something that um, you know you still feel like you can do and you want to do. So sure. it's not about proving it to others right. what you can do. It's more about proving it to yourself. And I still feel like even though I'll be 44 this year, I still have a chance to still you know, prove it to myself that I can still do it at 44 because I've really worked to a point where I can you know, still do it at this age. There's one thing being like really good at something. There's something else about being the greatest of all time. How often do you think about that? I don't. Really? No, because I don't. Never. You never sit and think, at what I do, I'm the best. It's like saying, uh, you know, what do you like better, steak, fish, chicken? I mean, steak. everything's good. Yeah, you need to. <laughs> Yes. Uh, look, two things said there by Tom Brady. First, he's no longer doing it for others. He's doing it for himself. He's no longer trying to prove anyone wrong. He's trying to prove to himself that he can play. And then also, he never thinks about being the best of all time. I submit that both are are not a true indication of how he actually believes. Your thoughts? Okay, so let's let's break it down piece by piece. I would say the proving it to himself part, I believe that. I believe that because last season he was proving it to everyone else. He was proving it to Bill Belichick. He was proving it to, you know, the the Patriots organization. He was proving it to everyone that thought Tom Brady was in decline. Here he is winning his seventh Super Bowl. So that part I kind of buy that this is now he's done it all. You know what I mean? He's If he beats the, the Patriots in, what is it, week four this year, he will have beaten every single team in the NFL. He will have won seven Super Bowls. He's done it all. The legacy part, yeah, I I would imagine that he probably does like to be referred as the GOAT. But it's also like he kind of has that right now. It's almost unassailable. So he's in a position where he can sort of say, I don't think about that type of stuff, right? Now, I still think that he thinks about it. And I think he continues to be driven by the fact that if you haven't heard, he was a sixth round pick in 2000. Any yeah. actual or perceived slight. He's at the point where it's so baked into who he is, he uses anything he can to continue to get his old ass out of bed every morning to do all the things that he needs to do and to refrain from doing the things that he would like to do more often. You get to a point where you say, you know what? Life's too short to not have a hamburger. Life's too short to not have a beer why am i doing all this avocado ice cream crap just so i can keep playing football at some point i want to enjoy my life so i I really do think that he needs that external kick to get him to continue to live the life that he's been living to allow him to play as long as he has and let's be honest here mike the the people who are at the top of their profession in sports 
uh, you know, go go through the whole list. They're they're legitimate psychopaths. Like that's not, and I'm, that's not. I'm not trying to take a knock on Tom Brady. He is a competitive psychopath. Michael Jordan was the same. Kobe Bryant, like Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning's uh, preparation was legendary. So all these guys, they spend so much time at the top of their at the top of their profession competing studying, getting ready, getting their bodies ready. LeBron James says he puts like a million dollars into his body a year. What that million dollars buys, I don't know, but start asking some questions maybe people. But the point is, all these guys, they're not normal. They are not uh, in in any way. They're not just like us. They are are driven by uh, wanting to be the best. Their competitive nature is off the charts that would make any of us, like you just said, Maybe you want to have a hamburger. No, they don't. They really don't. They want to win at all costs, and that cost is probably regular life, hap- you know, happiness and how it looks to us, whether it be like sitting down and watching TV at night or playing video games or not going to the gym, whatever happiness is, they are on the other side of all of this. They find happiness in raising the Lombardi Trophy, raising a trophy at the end of the year, and everything they do in, in, in the process of that if we looked at it and like wrote it down, like, how you're not living your life, man? What are you doing? But that's what drives them. That's what makes them crazy. And and it really is amazing. Sims and I were talking about this earlier in the week. The payoff, the chance of getting that payoff, is so slim, and it's so driven by factors out of your control. No matter how few hamburgers you eat, no matter how early you get up, no matter what you do. Every season comes down to a handful of fluke plays, whether or not a good decision or a bad decision is made, a bad call, a good call, bounce of an oblong ball this way or that way. I mean, I think we may have talked about this last Friday. I know Sims and I have been talking about it, how differently we would view Tom Brady's 2020 season if the Packers are able to capitalize on three straight interceptions by Brady when he was having a meltdown in the second half of that game in Green Bay when the Bucks were up 28-10. to 10. So you put all that in for just the chance to be in the vicinity of all the crazy stuff that has to go down to decide who the champion is. It just shows the true dedication to the point of obsession. And and again, I don't think that obsession gets fueled simply by, I want to prove this to myself. I think at some level it has to be driven by, people still doubt me, people still don't properly respect me. Former quarterbacks like Chris Sims still rank me 10th in the league. Anything he can find to keep going because it is such a narrow window that he's trying to get through every year. Yeah, and and but I, I what about the goat talk that he said? I actually kind of believe him on that one because he is like the greatest of all time quarterback right now. He has 7 Super Bowls. I don't know I don't think that will ever be topped. So until someone starts sniffing around in his neighborhood, I don't think that he really cares because he knows that people will be like, well, he's got seven. You know what I mean? So I like let's do let's do this with an example. Right? Last dance comes out. Last dance comes out last summer. Why does it come out? Because LeBron James is starting to at least get on the block of Michael Jordan. And that's when he starts saying, I care about this stuff. I care about the legacy. I want to remind everyone who I am. Tom Brady right now doesn't need to remind people of who he is. The conversation is over as of right now. In 20 years, 
he will probably care if Patrick Mahomes has four, five, he will probably start caring a lot more and trying to insert himself back into this conversation, reminding everyone, hey, I'm Tom Brady. But as it stands right now, he has he doesn't need to say I'm the greatest of all time because other people will say it for him. The only way that I'm willing to accept that he's not thinking that he's the greatest of all time is that in his mind, he still has more work to do. So now is not the time to have those thoughts, to have that discussion. I still have more work to do. The The book isn't finished yet. So for, if, if that's what he would say, I'd be inclined to believe it. But then he goes into this, it's kind of like, what do you prefer, steak, chicken, or fish? And James Corden, in his own hilarious way, called him out on it. Of course you're going to choose steak over chicken or fish. So, you know, he, he know, Brady knows. He doesn't have to, maybe that's it. He doesn't have to think about it because he knows. He just knows. Right, that's my point. Why you're, think you, about it? Right, that's my point. He knows right now. If, if, if in 15, 20 years, Patrick Mahomes is on his block, he, it will be a different discussion altogether. And it will be like, hey, remember who I am and doing all these like interviews and everything. But right now, he knows. And everyone else does the legwork for him when it comes to debate shows and media. Like, it just kind of, it just happens, right? Like, seven, seven Super Bowls. That's, I've actually had a few moments in the last week where I said seven. I was like, wait, is it seven? That's crazy. Because it is kind of, like, it's an insurmountable amount. We know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. We know that, t- what it, that you know, what it takes to get to that level. And to do it seven times is ridiculous. The fact that he's taken a team there ten times. And the margins were so thin. The closest one, uh, well, now, this year, they were all three until the Rams win by 10, but it felt closer than that. This year was a, a blowout, although it didn't feel like a blowout because it always felt like the Chiefs were going to find a gas pedal at some point and roar back into the game. But it just shows you how hard it is. It's just another example of how difficult. You work and you work and you work and you climb and you get to the very top, and it's still a Herculean effort to plant the flag in the summit, and he just keeps coming back and doing it. That's why I don't think Mahomes is going to catch him. I think Mahomes no. wants to. I think he's talented enough to do it. But look at the last three years, 2018. Now, if if they win a coin flip in overtime, maybe they get a chance to go face the Rams in the Super Bowl. No guarantee they're going to win that game. The Rams beat the Chiefs in the regular season. 2019, they're down 10 points with seven minutes left. He had to pull a rabbit out of his butt to win that game against the 49ers just to get one. And then last year, by the time they got to the Super Bowl, they had nothing left in the tank physically to match up with the Buccaneers. And it was Tom Brady who's been there and done that nine times before, which I think was a major factor. But, you know, three years of excellence with one Super Bowl to show for it. You got plenty of work to do if you're going to get to seven, and you may have to get to eight by the time it's all said and done, maybe nine by the time Brady's finished playing in the NFL. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to – I mean – there's a there's a better it's more likely than not that Aaron Rodgers will retire with one Super Bowl and he won it very early in his career and never got you know that second suit never got back to the Super Bowl right yeah right so it's it's that hard to do football is you know the ultimate team sport it's it's very very hard to get up to the top of that you need a special season and you need like you just said 
a lot of breaks to go your way, the ball to bounce your way, because that's that really is kind of what it comes down to. There's usually every year in the NFL season, there's four to five teams that are Super Bowl caliber worthy, and then it kind of comes down to who's who plays at the right time, who's healthy at the right time, who has a couple breaks that go their way at the right time. As it relates to Brady, what I mentioned earlier, how differently we would be thinking of him if the Packers had won the NFC Championship after Brady's meltdown in the second half. And the, the one thing that I keep an eye on, because yes, Brady was phenomenal last year. You can't take that away from him. But he's been, for maybe three years now, into the duck and cover phase of his career for good reason he's trying to preserve his body that is about to be 44 years old as of august the 3rd he sees guys coming at him who are half his age and twice his size and his mo is get rid of the ball and hit the deck bottom line so you know when does that reach a critical mass where he can no longer get rid of the ball before he gets blown up and how many of those does it take before it's it's irrevocably changed for him? I, I, I was told this four years ago, speaking of holding up the four, watch the legs, not the arm. The arm will be fine into his 50s. It's the legs. It's the legs. When he can no longer get away from the guys who are trying to pummel him and he starts getting hit, he's going to get hurt, and he's going to quickly say, I'm too old for this crap. And, and, and that's the thing I keep watching for. And, and look at, you know, some of the, the miscues from the NFC Championship. It's driven by the walls are closing in and I'm getting rid of this football before I take a big hit from somebody who literally is half my age. Yeah, and, and you saw it, uh, I, you know, the big stat I, I kept going to last year was when the Bucks had, you know, Ali Marpet was out for a little bit. They were a completely different team and they got blown up. You know, Tom Brady didn't have the time up the middle and he wasn't able to elude the rush. That, you know, Sunday night game when the Saints beat the Bucks by a billion, that he was out for that game. So the offensive line holding up for the Bucks, I it has to be the number one priority every single season as long as Tom Brady is there. Absolutely, and up the middle is the key. We saw that template in the 2007 season in Super Bowl 42 when the Patriots were on the brink of going 19-0 and what happened? The Giants pressure up the middle. The Jets pressure up the middle in the 2010 divisional round. The Giants pressure up the middle in Super Bowl 46. That's why, hey, of all the teams in the NFC, I worry about Washington from the standpoint of the Buccaneers because they've got the guys on the front four and in the front seven. If they get another crack at Brady in a single elimination setting, and you could argue that was one of the toughest games they had in the postseason last year, the wild card round, you know, and the Washington offense wasn't good enough to really take advantage of what the defense was able to do. But look, he, newsflash, he ain't getting any younger. And the longer he keeps going, and he's made it very clear he's got at least two more years in him, at some point, Father Time, always undefeated, is going to get the victory. And we just assume that this is going to continue indefinitely, just like your jacket is indefinitely lost. There will be a definite end for Tom but Brady. The question is, does he do it on his own, or is that decision forced upon him by an opponent who hits him so hard that he just realizes, I got to go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm done. I, I retired from predicting when it was over for Tom Brady years ago because there's certain people in the media who every year they're like, this is it, this is over. This and is one it. year Eventually they will be right. right. 
you know, one year they will be right, but they were wrong for the last seven years. So I, I don't know. I just, he, he's, he's completely broken the rules to how long you can play this sport. And, and obviously the, the changes in the rules for the NFL has helped him a lot. Like, I don't think if this was 1999, he wouldn't be playing as a 44 year old because you can hit the quarterback a lot differently. But now the, the game has changed to a point where you can survive an entire season without taking those punishing blows. So I don't know, Mike. Like, if you told me right now, put your life on it, Tom Brady's not going to be playing when he's 50 years old, I wouldn't put my life on it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, look, no. I, as long as he can continue to find a way to get rid of the football and, and, he, and if his team is willing to tolerate the interceptions that will flow from it, and the Buccaneers are, as long as he can get them close to the top of the mountain. I mean, they went from 2002 to, to 2020 with teams that were not nearly as good as what they had last year with Brady's influence. And that's the thing. The value is his influence, his attitude, how he rubs off on his teammates, how he gets them to focus on what's important. And they listen to him. He's got the rings. He's got the credentials. They'll listen to him. So as long as he can physically do it, I think he will keep doing it. And I, I can't rule out him playing until he's 50. And, and again, I think he's going to be driven, not by proving it to himself, but by, and I think we're also getting to the point where, and I think this is an important consideration. He's done it for so long. What the hell else does he do? He's done right. it for more than half of his life. What, what is he going to do? You, you don't need to go get a job. You got more money than you can ever spend. Where are you going to get your fulfillment? Where are you going to get your, there's nothing else in life that, that rewards you with this beautiful trophy at the end of every year and, you know, an objective indication of what you've accomplished in the form of a piece of jewelry that you can put on your hands and wave around. There's nothing else that does that. How does he replace that for the rest of his life? The way you just explained it made sports seem so dumb. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I really didn't appreciate that. Like, you just said it, the way you laid it out, made me realize how stupid we are for watching sports. So please never do that again. Why? What's why? It's still fun. Yeah, why? I know. But you're like, yeah, you play it. this entire season. What? Just so that you can have a little pat on the back with this little tiny trophy that you then walk around and well, say, here's my validation. Well, but, but now we watch sports in what? Half the states in the country because it's legal to wager on the sports. So there's a different motivation altogether. Right. Here we go. Okay. Well, Even though me people back were wagering on it for years before that anyway. All right, here we go. Uh, and now I'm going to blow your mind. And, and this is, let, let, me, let me give you the full experience that caused me to come to this conclusion. Tuesday of this week, the league and the union finalized a seven-page letter agreement setting forth the rules for the COVID opt-out this season. And my first thought was, why bother? Who the hell is opting out? This year, 67 guys opted out last year. And I think one of the reasons so many did, there was so much uncertainty before their deadline of like early August. Nobody had a chance to come to training camp and give it a week or two and see how they felt or give me a couple of seasons or a couple of weeks, excuse me, into the regular season. Let me decide then how it feels. You had to make an early decision. 67 guys did. I'd say most of them regret it in hindsight the way things went. This year, why bother? Who the hell is opting out? Okay. That said, I, I read the, the letter agreement yesterday, and it's, you know, legalese and thick, and you, you got to read it carefully. And as I was reading it, I'm thinking, okay, 
I could see Cole Beasley opting out because I'm not getting vaccinated and I don't want to have to deal with the rules that apply to players who aren't vaccinated. So this is a way for me to press pause on my career and I'll come back next year when this isn't an issue. That's one one guy I could think of that would take advantage of this. And then I thought of Aaron Rodgers. This is a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. This is a silver bullet for him where he could opt out, take the entire year off, not owe the Green Bay Packers $11.5 million in unearned signing bonus money, not owe them $2 million in fines that will accrue if he skips training camp, not forfeit the $6.8 million roster bonus that he's already earned and will be paid out this year. It's $20.3 million total that he would avoid if he opts out. And, I, and, and what I did once I realized that that power is there, <laughs> I tried to find a reason to convince myself it's not. So I, I, I found some language in the agreement that made me think he can't do it. It's too easy. It's too simple. And, and I, I, I went back and forth with someone overnight, and I looked at the letter agreement again this morning, and you know what? He can. He has to make an irrevocable decision by next Friday. You, and, and, and that's it. It is final. But if he decides and informs the team by next Friday, July 2nd, that he's sitting out for all of 2021, taking advantage of the opt-out right, he saves $20.3 million. And what would happen next year? They'd trade him. we get to where we would have been anyway. I don't, I don't think he's going to do it, but it's amazing to think he has a path. If he's truly thinking about sitting out, he has a path to do it that saves him $20.3 million. Remember uh, the what was the show called? It was Life Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach, right? Yes. I wish they did yes. that for you, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and they showed up to to the barn, and it's just paper yeah, that everywhere. Would be, that would be very exciting. paper everywhere trying to figure out Aaron Rodgers' loophole lock, lock, uh, opt out for the COVID protocol, and that's how Mike Florio sent his spent his Thursday. It was fantastic. Yeah, that that he would, was that, just that, would generate, the, that would generate that would generate. It's uh, Charlie Kelly with Pepe Sylvia. You're just you're putting the the, well, the uh, pins we in the got board. It. We got there it. There it is. No, yeah. we got it. There it yeah. is. Conspiracy, <laughs> Mike. But, Listen, but, I hope you're but, right. I hope you're right. But oh man, that no, that was the worst way to spend your time ever. Ever. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. Because if he does it, if he does it, I was the only one saying that he may do it. And and uh, what so is that? And guess what you get? It, guess what you get? A little tiny trophy of validation that's just a pat on the back, <laughs> being like, "Oh, Mike, you know who's gonna steal it? I don't have to tell you who's gonna steal it, but other people will definitely steal this take, Mike, and they'll probably get more yeah, credit oh, for it." That that's all right. That's all right. Because I'm only <laughs> trying to prove it to myself. Got it. I'm not trying to prove it to anyone else. But I but love it. Let's, I love it. I love that you did the work. Let's focus yeah. On it really didn't take that much work, or I would have gotten it right yesterday afternoon. I was trying so damn hard to not go there yesterday. It's like, there's no way. This is too easy. This is too simple. There's no way. I'm trying to speak it into existence. Not, not because I, I care whether or not he plays this year. I actually think it's better for our business if he does play for the Packers because the dysfunction will just be wall to wall from the moment he shows up until the moment their season ends. But if he is going to stay away. If that's what he's intending to do, he had fallen to his lap on Tuesday, the ultimate way to do it without losing $20.3 million. So I, I look at it this way. If he doesn't opt out by next Friday, 
then that means he is showing up and he was going to show up all along. Okay. So I, I love that you did this. I, I, I now have next Friday circled, hoping that he opts out for uh, mental health <laughs> and I want him to do it. I want him to be happy. Um, let's go back. Let's, let's frame it in the Tom Brady conversation we just had. If he did opt out, what does that do to Aaron Rodgers' legacy? Because that obviously changes things. If he says, I don't want to play, and peop- you know you know how people feel about COVID now, and-, and now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, and if he uses it under the guise of COVID protocol, because that's kind of how he'll have to play it, right? Like, he can't say, I'm opting out because I don't want to play for the Green Bay Packers. He's saying, I'm using no. the COVID protocol and I'm using the rules that are set forth by the NFL, and I'm opting out for a safety issue. It would be a difficult PR sell. Right. And I think what he would have to do is, and and here's how I think he'd have to couch it. I think he'd have to say, I'm not doing this because I'm concerned about COVID. Because the way it's written, you don't have to be concerned. You don't have to be concerned about COVID. You have a voluntary opt-out right. That's why I didn't believe it yesterday. That's why I didn't want to believe it yesterday. I wanted to read the agreement to conclude that he could only do it if he had developed some sort of a condition since last October that puts him in a high-risk category. And that's true if you want to get a $350,000 stipend. For him, who gives a crap about the stipend? He's trying to avoid owing the Packers $20.3 million. What he would have to do is sit down with a favorable interviewer and explain without getting a bunch of tough questions. Yeah, you, of course. What he'd have to do is say, look, here's how the NFL works. There's a bunch of rules out there that typically are written for the benefit of the teams. And they put pressure on the players to do things that maybe the players don't want to do. And I'm in the process of trying to figure out, do I want to play for the Green Bay Packers this year? And I had a rule fall out of the sky that the NFL and the NFLPA negotiated. And the way that I'm reading it and the way that my agents are reading it it gives me the ability to do what I was going to do anyway without owing the Packers a bunch of money that I've already been paid or that I'm already entitled to. We press pause on the relationship for a year. So that's what we do, and that's what I'm doing. I'm doing I, What I'm doing is no different than what the team does when they cut a guy from the roster. When they, when they, whatever, they, whatever rights a team has, applying the franchise tag, that's a right that arises in the rules that the two sides have put together. It's not an easy argument for them to make. And there's going to be a lot of Packers fans that aren't going to like it. But my point is this. If he's not going to play anyway, if he's already decided I'm not showing up this year, it's, it's ridiculous for him to not take advantage of a path that avoids a $20.3 million difference if he just stays away all year long versus if he opts out by next Friday. That's my point. Yeah, For $20.3 million, you can go hire the best PR firm in the world to give you a way to explain why you're doing what you're doing. Okay, another question. If he does opt out on Friday, by Friday, next Friday, there's no chance he can come back this year, correct? Is it Correct, a- it's done. Okay, so that's why I think he's not going to do it. Because I think in yeah. the back of his head, he's saying to himself, if I just keep pushing this, the Packers will eventually trade me. And if they don't trade me, I'll just play football and I'll just hate everyone and not talk to anyone in that facility and be Aaron Rodgers and make a lot of money and probably win a, a bunch of games and lose in an NFC playoff game and blame everyone but myself and call it a year and then figure it out next year. That's probably what he'll do. I mean, that's, 
Hey, that's why Russell Wilson's back in Seattle. There was a report from ESPN earlier this week that Russell Wilson's happy now and he's all in. Yeah, for now, because he understands this year is another roll of the dice. It's another spin of the wheel to try to add to your legacy. And Russell Wilson's got a hell of a lot more of those spins left than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is down to, let's say, four. You're going to give up one? You don't, no, you don't, you don't do the like, time. You don't like I the boss? You. you don't do the time anymore. Tom Brady has, has ruined that for everyone. You can't. No. I, 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 look, he, he ha- if, if Aaron Rodgers wants to add to his legacy, he can't give up a full season of football. And, and, and if his problem in Green Bay is, I don't like upper management, as I've said many times this week with the caveat that, that I have no issue with upper management at NBC, I'd say most Americans have an issue with upper management wherever they work, and they still show up to work every day. So just because he's upset with Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst, he said to Kenny Mayne, I love my teammates, I love my coaches, I love the fans. I think he's going to be there. But if he's already decided that he's not playing at all this year, the time to pull the pin on the grenade is next Friday, and you save $20.3 million. Let's take a break when we return. It's been a tumultuous week for the NCAA, making sense of where that organization goes from here and what it's going to mean for college football particularly and maybe for the NFL. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. You guys like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading crap like that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. It's been a very crazy week for the NCAA, a week that I don't think we'll fully appreciate the ramifications of for a while. It began on Monday with the U.S. Supreme Court making it clear that the business model is an antitrust violation. It is a walking, talking, breathing, crapping antitrust violation. And yesterday there was another court ruling in a case involving, I think, a swimmer from Arizona State and a female basketball player from Oregon that that just further underscores that the world is changing for the NCAA. And the biggest challenge right now 
the name, image, and likeness rules that the NCAA is scrambling to deal with because the whole th- the whole idea that players cannot generate revenue from the fame that they have realized, whether it's playing college sports or high school or whatever else, TikTok, wherever they've become famous, you can't make any money from that. That has to go away. That 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 is just the extra little thing the NCAA does to boost up this goofy notion of amateur athletics. Oh, nobody can make any money. And the longer they delay this, Big Cat, the, the, the more expensive it's going to be, the greater that the final verdict is going to be in the class action lawsuit. And they are really stuck here, and I think they're just coming to terms with the idea, we've got to open the floodgates and let all these athletes go out and make whatever money they can make off of their name, their image, and their likeness. And that's all coming next Thursday, one day before Aaron Rodgers opts out for the entire 2021 season. So is everyone getting paid next year? Explain that to me, Mike, like I'm five years old. Because I'm obviously in favor I think favor everyone's getting paid next know. week. I what think everyone's it? getting paid next week. I oh. think as of July 1. I think as so, of July uh, 1, once, once they wave that flag, is it the checkered flag or the white flag? What's the flag to start the race? Is it a white flag? Once they wave the flag to start the race next Thursday. Green. Green flag. It's a green flag. All right, green flag. Once they wave wave the green flag next Thursday, anyone can do business with anyone else. Uh, And and this is the way it's moving. There are six states that are making name, image, and likeness rules effective next week. The NCAA is realizing the longer we tell these kids they can't do it, the more – liability we're going to be exposed to after this Supreme Court ruling that shows the whole thing's an antitrust violation, all these rules that tell schools what they can't do by way of giving players benefits or letting them make money from their fame is an antitrust violation. All these different universities coming together and agreeing, we're, 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 you know, we're, going, to, we're going to fix the price of our labor. That's basically the argument. So it's the floodgates open next, next Thursday. I haven't said Arch Manning. If he wants to, if, you know, Uncle Peyton decides to take him under his wing and show him a few things about business, Arch Manning can start selling jerseys, put his face on things, posters, whatever, autograph appearances. You can make money however you see fit. It becomes free enterprise as of next Thursday, subject to some, I'm sure there will be some effort to apply rules and restrictions and maybe protect people from charlatans, but why not? Ha- look, it's, why not? What? Think of how think of how bizarre it is that let, let's say if you're 17 years old and you're an actor or a singer or some other celebrity, you can make as much money as you want, however you want, off of anyone who wants to do business with you to leverage your fame into revenue. Why has it ever been that just because you play a sport and your fame derives from that, that you're not allowed to do it? It is ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, no, it's been ridiculous for a very long time. There's very few people that stand on the other side being like, hey, this is this is bad. This is bad for the kids. I think there's like maybe four people left. Um, but I, I guess I don't understand how they're going to uh, keep the rules there because if, from what you just said to me, the light bulb went off in my head that, uh, you know, if, if Penn National stock goes through the, the roof, Someday I will be hiring a bunch of interns that happen to be five-star recruits uh, who want to play at the University of Wisconsin. Is that what you're saying to me? Because I am down for that. I, I, I think. Let me take it even a step farther than that. Because one thing that dawned on me this week. Now, 
look, this is all subject to whatever rules get put in place. And uh, the NCAA wants Congress desperately to come in and create a nationwide standard so the NCAA can say, hey, we don't have anything to do with it. It's not an antitrust violation if Congress says these are the rules. But what, why would a 17, 18, 19-year-old athlete be prohibited in a state where gambling is legal from doing an endorsement deal with a sports book? What's, what's wrong with that? Now, in the NFL, you can't do it because the antitrust violations disappear under the cover of the union relationship. The NFL can have rules without creating an antitrust problem by saying players aren't allowed to do a deal with DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, Penn National, whoever. You open these NIL floodgates, you don't have to even you don't have to make up a phony job. You can just say, hey, oh yeah, kid's going to Wisconsin. He's gonna be a, an ambassador Great. for the Penn National brand, and I'm paying him a hundred grand a year. I love this. I want to be a booster, Mike. I really do. I want to be a somewhat shady booster. I, I really, I, I'm actually a little, the, the downside of this, these rules is like, I kind of wanted to be a shady booster. I wanted to be boosting and, and, you know, have it be a big thing that blows up in my face. I think that would have been fun. It would have been a fun chapter in my life. Now it sounds like I can do this all above board, above the table, above legally. Board. Yeah, like so. I I don't know. I'm I'm actually a little bummed. I think I'm on the side of these rules kind of stink now. Hey, but you know what? There's some there's some truth embedded in this that I think is going to work to the disadvantage of the Wisconsin's and the West Virginias of the world. Because what's going to happen now? Again, those two things aren't how the they same. Figure out how to. Those two well, things. Aren't I know, the but same. it's. But but wait, is Chicago in Wisconsin now? I mean, no, but I'm just saying those two, yeah, those two things aren't the same, but here's, but here's my point. Here's my, here's my point. The universities that have the largest concentration of supporters, boosters, really rich people who will gladly take the tax write off under the guise of doing a bad deal, a bad endorsement deal. Hey, I got my car dealership. And the quarterback of the football team is going to have his face on every ad that I do. And I'm going to pay him 500 grand, even though that is a horrible use of my marketing budget. I don't care. My point is for the universities that have more people, bigger population center, more of these boosters floating around who are willing to do bad business deals, those schools are going to become more attractive because they're going to have more resources through their no longer shady boosters. Now, you could argue, well, okay, you know, they, they, they should have been profiting all along because they can have more shady boosters. I think it changes when it's all above board. And you can go out and recruit your boosters to, to get into this kind of business and essentially funnel money to the players. And, and look, there's going to have to be a subtlety to it, but, but it's going to change everything. It really is going to change everything. Wherever it goes, however it goes, it's not going to kill college football, but it's definitely going to change it. It's not nothing can kill college football. I mean, it won't be it won't die because the tradition and, and the history and, and the amount of people that care about it, it's always going to be there in some iteration. Um, it's funny that you say all that because then imagine like in twenty years, Yale wins a national title, Yale beats Alabama. Because if you're talking about just pure you know, money, uh, donors, all these things. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't you then say that the Ivy Leagues are now going to be? We're going to go back in time. It's going to basically be 
the turn of the century, not this turn of the century, but the one before. It's going to be 1900, and it's going to be it's going to be Harvard versus Yale for the national title. Well, no, I I, uh, I mean I mean you, you just said you just said the most the teams you know the the most attractive teams will be the alumni with the most money. Those uh, an Ivy League alumni and the endowment that they have is off the charts compared to to any anywhere else, right? Let me, let me just say this from the perspective of someone who tried to get into an Ivy League law school and failed 30 plus years ago. You got to be able to be to be, you know, eligible to go to the school. There aren't many people smart enough to get into the Ivy League schools. So I, I think that reduces the universe of guys that you're going to get there no matter what in this day and age. Plain and simple. So. And, and, and also, I don't know that the Harvard and the Yale grads out there with a lot of money are going to be willing to start peeling off 100 grand here and 100 grand there to, boof up, uh, to beef up the, the football oh, and basketball teams. But I, I but, think but who some knows? of them would. I, I, we'll be dead in the ground by the time it happens, but maybe our kids and grandkids will realize that instead of Clemson and Alabama, it'll be Harvard and Yale every year in the NCAA championship. Yeah, I mean, it's – the way you described it, if it, I, I don't think that's obviously going to happen, but it is an interesting dynamic that like the alumni of where did where did Jeff Bezos go to college? Did he go to college? We need to figure that out. He went to Wisconsin, I think. I don't know. I feel like he was one of those guys who dropped out. Like like yeah. the, isn't it? Isn't it? What does it say about the college system that the most ridiculously successful people in society all realized at some point during that four year period, I'm getting the hell out of here. I just. You know, food for thought. Um, sounds like they didn't anyway. have fun in college. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> They're having fun now. They're having fun like they now, had no baby. Friends. They had no friends. They got a rocket to the moon now. Let's take a break. Uh, some PFT props when we continue this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. They're the MVP odds currently available at the PointsBet Sportsbook. Patrick Mahomes still the favorite at plus 450. Aaron Rodgers plus 900. Hard to win it if you opt out for the 2021 season. And then everyone else in four digits with Josh Allen and Tom Brady each at plus 1300. Big Cat, who, who, who would you, based on those odds, who would you wager on for MVP? Do you go with the chalk or do you try to find somebody who's, who's kind of floating you know, in in uh, a spot where it's going to pay off a little bit more for you. I kind of like that Matt Stafford. Uh, it was like 18 to 1 because, you you know, he, when it comes to MVP, it's obviously play, but it's storyline as well. We saw it last year with Russell Wilson. The season started. He was phenomenal to start the season, and he had the storyline. The fact that he had never been voted, not a single vote for MVP kind of swept the nation. He wasn't able to sustain his play, but if he had – been even like able to sustain it to 90% or 80% of what he was doing to start the season, he would have been the runaway MVP. So Matt Stafford definitely is a storyline guy. Like if he starts out hot, there's going to be pieces written about him for about Matt Stafford, about his time in Detroit, about his switch to LA and you know, his relationship with Sean McVay. I can see it right now. Pull up the schedule whenever the Rams play, you know, Monday Night Football Week 9. I'm just guessing, right? In the middle of the season, if they're 6-2, and two, 
going into that game, Matt Stafford will have the hype. Matt Stafford will start getting the love that he probably deserves because he's been a very good quarterback for a very long time in the NFL. Here's how I look at the MVP award, and I feel this way every year unless there's someone who does something that that sets an all-time record or comes close to it like Adrian Peterson in 2012 when he almost set the single-season rushing record. Typically, it's the quarterback of one of the teams that finishes with a bye. And now that there's only one bye per conference available, you got to be the quarterback of the one seed, like Aaron Rodgers last year, quarterback of the one seed in the NFC or quarterback of the one seed in the AFC. And it's whichever of those two guys, the quarterbacks of the two number one seeds who had the better statistical year, when the dust settles, that's what it is. And it could be Matthew Stafford. The Rams could end up being the one seed in the NFC. Now, I don't like their chances when you've got the 49ers, Seahawks, and Cardinals in your division, but but Stafford fits the profile if the Rams truly are rejuvenated. And, I mean, look at how they did last year with your friend Jared Goff. You you upgrade to Matthew Stafford. I think you're I think you're kind Careful. of indirectly throwing shade at Jared Goff by no. putting Matthew Stafford in the MVP conversation. No. But nevertheless, I, I don't see I don't see Goff on the list of odds anywhere. But but if the Rams are the one seed, Stafford's the MVP. Unless yeah. Patrick Mahomes has a better year and has that story. You're right. The narrative starts September, October ish. And then the question is can you carry it all the way through? And once you catch that wave, it's like a surfer. Because Aaron Rodgers eventually caught the wave in November and rode it all the way to the end of the season. You get different chances to catch that wave, and then the question is, how long can you ride it? And the guy who catches it in November or December and rides it out to the finish is the guy who gets it, and it's usually a quarterback from one of the one seeds. Yeah, Russell Wilson, if he had just rode that wave a little bit longer, he would have had a legitimate chance. Um, so, I... Yeah, I mean, Matt Stafford, you can see it happening already, too. That story that came out where Sean McVay was talking glowingly about Matt Stafford, I think that that's going to be a story that a lot of journalists and a lot of the media wants to talk about. This guy who has had all the statistics uh, in his entire career going to a place where you have Sean McVay, a quarterback guru, and a legitimate chance to, to go deep in the playoffs – I, that people are going to be fascinated by this. Add the L- L.A. factor. Add the factor that L.A. has the Super Bowl this year. I'm I'm writing the story for you, Mike. There you go. I just did your job for you. Give me someone off the radar, out of nowhere, who you think could emerge as that guy who catches a wave and and rides that wave all the way through to the end of the season as the MVP. Well, he's not out of nowhere, and he's not off the radar, but I do think Josh Allen is a candidate for that because you saw it last year. The Bills became a story that people were very attached to and loved. So if Josh Allen can duplicate what he did last year, and he was phenomenal last year, I think that he will the, – the, the narrative is now there. Like last year, Josh Allen arrived, quote-unquote, to everyone kind of coming to grips with the fact that, hey – Maybe people were wrong about their draft analysis. Maybe this guy can be really, really good for a long time, even though I loved him and I love him and he's my best friend. Uh, But this is now the season where if he duplicates it, it's like, oh, okay, well, he's going to have that MVP talk week one. You know what I mean? Like if Josh Allen comes out and throws, let's say 10, 10 touchdowns, let's say 11 touchdowns, one interception in the first three weeks of the season, and the Bills are 3-0, there will absolutely be MVP talk with Josh Allen.
Yeah, but then he's got to carry it out. He's got to ride it out, and the yeah. Patriots are better this year. And he's got to deal with the Chiefs and the Ravens. But and and we talked about Josh Allen yesterday. What's it going to take for him to get to the next level? Sims has him at number two behind Patrick Mahomes. Can Allen ever overtake Mahomes? And you know he's got to beat Mahomes. And he had a chance last year in the regular season. He was kind of flat, and then they had the chance in the AFC Championship, and he didn't pull it off. But he's got Week Five Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. That could be the coming out party for the Josh Allen. MVP train, but that's not really off the radar. He's All right, I got one. one. I, got, I, mean, you, I got another really, one. Okay. All right, I got All another right. one. I don't know if we have this clip, but a certain future Hall of Famer was uh, doing some type of exercise training session uh, where he was getting beat up in the pocket and counting out numbers. That's the one I, and listen, only Jameis Winston. Listen, I think Jameis Winston. That's who I was going to say. Yeah. That's who I was going to say. Mike. You don't have derangement syndrome. That's good to hear. Jameis Winston, uh, similar to a Matt Stafford in that you got the QB guru, Sean Payton's there. Can he work around the system? He's got guys to throw to. He's got a system in place. He learned it last year. The Saints still have a very good roster. Like, you know, could it be one of those situations where Jameis Winston, uh, you know, is better than he's better than Drew Brees last year, so everyone says, "Oh wow, well Drew Brees maybe was really injured," like I've been saying for a really long time. Hey, Big Cat was right, but Jameis Winston would would be a, a good candidate, an out of nowhere MVP candidate. First, he's got to win the starting job, which he may not do. But if he does, from, and we know what who? Sean Payton can do. From your we little know what glor- Sean your glorified tight end, your little gadget guy. We- we, we know what Sean Payton can do with a quarterback. We know how he goes about constructing an offense and getting the most out of the players that he has. The Saints have been consistently good year in and year out. And Winston has a 5,000-yard passing season, and there aren't many guys in the history of the NFL who have done that. And I, I, I made this argument to Peter King on a Friday several weeks ago. You look at who Jameis Winston was coached by. He had Dirk Cutter for the first three or four years, who currently is not in the NFL. And then he had Mr. No Risk It, No Biscuit. Gee, the year he threw 30 interceptions and 5,000 yards and 35 touchdown passes, his coach was No Risk It, No Biscuit. What a shock he threw 30 interceptions when you're hearing No Risk It, No Biscuit every single day of the season. You put him with Peyton, who's going to make it more careful and deliberate and strategic and not No Risk It, No Biscuit. I'm with you. I don't know what the Jameis Winston odds are, but... You could probably make some money if you're willing to drop a hundred or so on Jameis Winston. You're probably going to have that flip into something big if he ends up being the guy. Don't forget to throw in the fact that he just got LASIK. He can see now. Yes. He was playing quarterback blind in the NFL. He's actually the greatest blind quarterback of all time. I'm confidently going to say that. So Jameis Winston was exceptional numbers-wise for his first five years of his career, four years of his career. And he actually couldn't see. He couldn't see the middle linebacker. He 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 went and got LASIK. He should have been wearing glasses the whole time. He should have been doing the rec specs. Now he can see. Watch out, world. James Winston, future Hall of Famer. 60 to 1 are the points bet odds for love James. It. Same as Tua. Same as Tua. I would go Winston over Tua in a heartbeat. I love yeah. Tua, but but I, I got to see it from Tua before I'm going to believe it. And hell, there's a chance Deshaun Watson's going to be the week one starter in Miami anyway this year. Where's that coming from, Mike? Is there another another uh, just, just thing you read? Yeah, how just, many documents just, did you get through to read that to get to that conclusion? 
Go ahead and scoff. Go ahead and scoff. I'm just but asking, just, where did it come remember from? Remember where you heard it. I'm just you, telling you. Just remember where you heard it if it happens. That's all I'm saying. There's no, there were no high-level documents. And if it doesn't? It's just the product of staying on top of the story every single day for three months. If it doesn't, then we just keep moving. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that one of the impediments to Tua winning MVP is the Dolphins not acquiring Deshaun Watson. That's all I'm saying. That would okay. clearly be an impediment to Tua being the MVP if Deshaun right. Watson is the starter. I'll just say it. Deshaun Watson's going to be the week one starter of the Miami Dolphins. There, I actually had the fortitude to say that, so when it happens, right. credit me. This guy, not Mike Florio, this Offensive guy. Offensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Best uh, odds uh, for winning offensive rookie of the year. Trevor Lawrence is plus 275. Justin Fields plus 500. Trey Lance plus 700. Zach Wilson plus 800. I know who I like, and it's none of those guys. I, 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 Najee, now, I don't know how I feel about Najee Harris after David DeCastro got cut by the Steelers yesterday, but I've been saying Najee Harris all along. It's Big cat, I, And he's not even on that board. Where's Kyle Pitts? Oh, Kyle quarterbacks Pitts is, only. Quarterbacks only. Oh, this is got quarterbacks it, got only. It, got sorry. It. Quarterbacks only. All right, because I was just saying, Kyle Pitts is going, is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'll just throw that out there right now. He's going to win wow. Offensive Rookie wow. of the Year. Yeah, there's another one. Wow. I just think he's he is ready to go right away. He's going to catch a lot of balls. He's going to put up crazy numbers, and we always see it. Like the, you know, you can have those impact rookies at running back or wide receiver who come in and make a big splash right away, and, and everyone like everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's incredible. So I I think Kyle Pitts will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't think a tight end has ever won Offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't think that's ever happened. He's he's ten to one. To, Perfect. to win it. And with Julio Jones not there, got to throw the football to somebody. I just think that offensive rookie of the year, uh, the more you have the ball in your hands, the better the chance you have to win it. And I think a, you know, running back can generate the mean? stats. Rook, a quarter, the running back can generate the stats. Quarterback's got to be a week one starter. How many of these guys are going to be week one starters? That's a problem. Justin Fields, we, we don't think he's going to be the week one starter. Do you think he's going to be the week one starter? I'm just saying from the standpoint no. of – of having the opportunity to rack up the kind of numbers that will get you the votes. Now, last year it worked for Justin Herbert because he he got on the field week two and he was great and Joe Burrow got injured. But uh, of the quarterbacks, I would tend to think that Zach Wilson would have the best chance just because he will be the week one starter. And if he is as good or even close to as good as Sims seems to think he is, and from what I've seen, he does have some special skills. You know, the New York market – you help turn a team around that's been bad for so long. I could see Wilson building some buzz. He's going to have to get, you know, three, 4,000 yards passing, but he looks like a guy who can do it to me. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Just because, we, you know, it's similar to the MVP conversation, the narrative behind it. Trevor Lawrence is already kind of expected to be a franchise quarterback forever. So he, the expectations for Trevor Lawrence are a little unfair right out of the gate. So, you know, if he... If they have the exact same numbers, their rookie season, everyone will look at Zach Wilson's season as being better than Trevor Lawrence just because of how we frame it. I don't know if you're Trevor Lawrence, do you like it or you don't or do you not like the fact that no one really is paying attention to Trevor Lawrence at all? It's all Justin Fields. And when it's are we gonna Tim see Tebow. Trey Lance? Well, and That's then you throw Tim Tebow on top of it. Nobody's paying attention to Trevor Lawrence. I, th I think he probably likes it. Honestly, I, d I do. I mean, that's – listen, I think 
Urban Meyer has a weird obsession with Tim Tebow, and I, I, I actually think they want him to make the team. But the theory that they brought in Tim Tebow to provide a media shell for the rest of the team, especially their franchise quarterback, I actually don't you, – If you could tell me – you could convince me of that theory. Let's just say that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because, look, it, it, it hasn't provided the media shell. They didn't make him available during the offseason program. They're trying to but, downplay the media every, aspect of wait, it. Wait, it has, though. Every Jaguars story we just said, no one's talking about Trevor Lawrence. Every Jaguars story has been Tim Tebow. That's a fact. Mm. Well, and there still haven't been many Jaguar stories. That's part of the problem. I mean, it, it, it is amazing to me how we have in plain sight a grand experiment of a lifetime college coach who is bringing decidedly college football ways to the NFL, like Jimmy Johnson did 30-plus years ago. And, and, and no one's really paying attention to what's going on with Jacksonville, and we'll see what they do coming out of the gates. They won their first game last year and then proceeded to lose all the rest of them, but we'll see what they can do. That, that could be a storyline that takes off. How Trevor Lawrence could end up being an MVP candidate if this works in Jacksonville, but uh, I think it's going to take some time if it's ever going to work. How about a couple of Bears-specifics props? Give them to me. Allen Robinson, over, under, 94.5 receptions. Over. I mean, the guy's incredible. Um, what did he have last year? Yeah. 98. And you're playing no, an extra 102, game? 102. 102. 102. And you're playing 98 an extra, the year before. So you're playing an extra game. I do think Justin Fields will get out there. I think that he will be relying on Allen Robinson because he's the guy who's most likely to get open on a consistent basis. So give me the over on that. Easy. How about this one? David Montgomery over under rushing yards, 1275.5. That seems high to me. That seems very high. I do think he'll get, I think he'll have a good year. 1275.5. That's a lot. And we know running backs, you know, you got to stay healthy. If he misses two, three games, that that really messes with the uh, total. And Matt Nagy forgets how to run consistently. So, um, yeah, I would say probably under there. All right, NFC North winner. And, you know, it's odd because you still can't bet on, at least at points bet, and it may be the same elsewhere still, the over-under win total for the Packers this year because of the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have been off the board for weeks now on the points bet sportsbook. But for the NFC North winner, Packers still the favorite at minus 125, Vikings at plus 250, Bears at plus 350, and then the Lions are the long shot at 22-1. to Setting aside your loyalty to the Bears, I don't, who do you like given those yeah, odds? I, I am listen, obviously I'm very biased, but that the, the value is definitely in the Bears. They went to the playoffs last year. I know that they created a fake playoff game just so they can get humiliated <laughs> on Nickelodeon. But still, I you know, they, they still have they there still are enough pieces from that twelve and four team a couple years ago that I did think was playing the best football of pretty much anyone in the NFL at the time. Remember, they they absolutely whooped the NFC representative to the Super Bowl, the, the Rams, in that uh, Sunday night game at Soldier Field in December. So there are still some guys from that team. I don't think that the Bears will win the division. I don't. I, I just don't because I think Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers and the Packers will be better. And I also still think Matt Nagy it can, you know, Matt Nagy it up. But – if you're looking at pure value, I don't know why that wouldn't be the play here. 
you came so close to stepping on the rake when you said they made the playoffs last year because it was just last week where you said that doesn't count as a playoff. No, it doesn't. I, I know, was, no, I know it doesn't count. They made a game you, you saved yourself. just so the Bears could get yourself. humiliated <laughs> and slimed on Nickelodeon. <laughs> but but they, they actually it was competitive for a while until they did the, 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 the pass that the guy dropped in the end zone. I mean, until the moment he drops the pass, there was a thought that the, the Bears could make it interesting. No. I mean, that's every Bears Who was it that dropped the defense... pass? Was it Javon Wims? Who dropped the pass in the yeah, end zone? Yeah, I think Who so. That, the Bears stay, you know, their defense keeps them in games, so that's every Bears game. And that's like, oh, yeah, they could do this if they just break through here. No, no, no. They stunk last Let's year. Let's take a break. We're going to break open the mailbag when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 